0: Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. If you're new to Real Talk with Rachel, welcome. Here is what you can expect. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always under 20 minutes. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-proof strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Well, before we jump into today's episode, I wanna share this sweet book review for Image Restored and it was titled, Everyone Needs to Read This Book. And she had like three or four exclamation points after it. Here's what she said. Why does everyone need to read this book? Because we have all struggled with body shame at some point in our lives, and God doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to see ourselves as the beautiful creation that he made us to be. Rachel does such a beautiful job of reminding the reader who God made them to be through his very own word. And it's written for every learning style. First, there's the book. Physical and audio versions are available. Second, there are six videos to accompany the book. Third, there are pages to process what you've learned and a beautiful coloring page for each chapter. I cannot recommend this book enough. Get your copy today. Well, thank you to the sweet Amazon reviewer. By the way, we don't pay for those reviews. That was just her own kindness of her heart to go in and say all of that. If you want to learn more about the book, I suggest going to Image Book. .com you can learn more there. Well, let's jump in. I want you to meet today's guest. She is someone I heard speak at my church years ago, like seriously over a decade ago, before I became a counselor, but in fact, she was the first person I ever heard speak about sex. And she even said, anatomical body parts in church. (laughs) And honestly, I remember like it was yesterday. I can still remember where I was sitting. And at first I was shocked because I'm thinking, did this woman just say that out loud? But then I was also intrigued because I could tell she was free in this area. And I so desperately wanted that same freedom. So I leaned in. I've been following her ever since. I'm excited that I get to introduce you to her today. With that said though, we do get real about sexuality on today's episode. So if you have children listening that you don't feel are ready to hear this conversation, please stick your earbuds in or whatever you need to do to protect them from that. All right? So let's introduce you to Nancy Houston. She is an executive leadership coach, a licensed professional counselor, a certified sex therapist and author Of love and sex a christian guide to healthy intimacy and then god made a woman unwrapping female sexuality that second book is the one we're talking about today then god made a woman nancy developed and leads next level leadership groups which is a relational approach to leadership well friends you're gonna love nancy you're gonna love this episode so please help me welcome her to the show well hello nancy welcome to the show Hi, so good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And you are one of those people I have sat under your teaching. I was trying to remember the other day, at least over a decade, I first heard you speak at our church in a women's group, and that was life changing. And then since then, I've got to hear you speak some more and read your books and all the things. So you have majorly touched my life. I'm excited to introduce you to my listeners because I you know, I, I do, I prayerfully consider who to bring on the show and I trust you. I know that your heart is beautiful and you, you just have such a timely message. And so before we get into that message, I do like to ask my guest, what is maybe something about you? Fun fact, random fact that I would not have just read to the listeners from your bio.
1: Oh man, that is a great question. I love to play. I really, really love to play, and so I had an injury in August, and we were playing football on the beach, and I got um, hit on the back of my hand with a football. So I just love to play, and um, so yeah, that's maybe something they don't
0: know about me. I can tell, I could tell that about your personality that you love to play. You have that <laughs> yeah. just organic joy about you, and you have four boys, right? Yes,
1: I was a boy mommy. And so it was so much fun having all these boys. We just play hard. And as long as I fed them lots of food and attuned to their little hearts, you know, then they were happy campers.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now into the fun stuff. Well, I mean, that's fun fact too, but um you are a licensed professional counselor and then you also are a certified sex therapist. Can you tell me what led you to specialize in that in particular?
1: I can. It was one specific day. I'd seen eight clients that day, and at the end of the day I was just sitting on the sofa kind of reflecting because it'd been an especially heavy day, and I just needed some time to like, "Wow, what just happened?" And I realized that seven of the eight clients had had sexual trauma and they were men, they were women, they were married couples, they were single, every, every kind of human being who'd walked through my door that day had had so much sexual trauma. So I'm just like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? And how do I respond to this? And so I just have this impression that this was part of the work I was supposed to do. And so I thought to myself, well, I don't want to do any harm. So if I'm going to do this work, I want to be equipped and trained. So it was just shortly later, I went to a conference and sort of bumped into this person who had a booth called the Institute for Sexual Wholeness. Started talking with this therapist about, you know, being better equipped to deal with, help people who had had a lot of sexual trauma. I had had sexual trauma. So, you know, it's funny how God, Uh, It's not funny. It's no coincidence that God loves to take some of the darker parts of our own lives and then bring redemption and healing. And then we can turn around and give it back to others. So I love doing this work. I have so much hope because I know what he's done for me. So I thoroughly believe that what he's done for me, he can do for others. And I know that there are, are people listening today who have a lot of pain. And I've had trauma and where sexual has been a painful part of their lives. And I just want to say to that person, like, Hey, I get it. And maybe you've had way more suffering than I have had, but I believe that there is so much hope and that whatever has felt so deeply wounding in our lives, that those are the exact places where God wants to bring tremendous amounts of hope and healing and goodness and grace to you. So if you are in the middle of that journey, or if you haven't started that journey, I just want to encourage you that it's going to be better than you think it is. Right. And what happens to people have trauma is so many times they blame themselves for the trauma. And I think the beginning of healing is realizing that a lot of times it wasn't your fault. You aren't to blame. You aren't bad, especially when you have sexual trauma as a child, that children, because they have to have attachment, and then if it is an attachment figure that is is perpetuating the abuse, the child can just turn all the badness upon themselves. And then we're so filled with shame. And even to tell our story to somebody else can be so shame-inducing. I remember when I, I was 33, when I started therapy. And um, because my trauma had suddenly like emerged, I'd been, I think I'd been just pushing it down all through my twenties and I'd had four little boys and now my youngest was in first grade. And so I actually had a little space to kind of like do some inner reflection. And I'm like, Oh, all this pain started emerging. And I remember going to counseling the first day and the counselor said, well, tell me about your childhood. And he sat there and cried, and I was like, it's okay. I survived. I was just so in denial about the real truth about my childhood. And he asked me if there's any sexual trauma, and I said no, because it just felt too big for me to even go there. And so I kind of, in my mind, I'm like, okay, first we have to deal with the physical abuse. Then the emotional abuse, and then maybe someday we'll get to that. So it was six months later before we really even started talking about the sexual trauma. Wow. Were you a counselor when you went to counseling? No, no. Okay. Thank goodness. I did my own work first, which I highly recommend. Not that we're ever done doing our own work. Yeah. Like I'm in my 60s now. I am still doing plenty of my own work. Like we we can always develop. That's why I love adult development so much, because we can think of development as, you know, we grow up and then we hit some magical age, let's say 21, and suddenly I'm an adult. But really, that's not how it works. Like we were meant to grow and develop all the days of our lives. So honestly, I've just come to this place of like welcoming when something new pops up and like, oh, here's more room for growth. And I hope that when I'm 90 years old, I'm still, you know, kind of involving myself and not like I've arrived someday because I think I'll arrive when I get to heaven. And as long as I'm on this earth, I've got plenty of work for me to do with Nancy right here.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love so many pieces of your story. And I especially love that right in the beginning, you mentioned that it was when you had become a counselor and you saw eight people in one day that you realized, yeah. oh my goodness, how many people have trauma, because, especially, which yeah. in your case, it was sexual trauma. But I know when I set out to become a counselor, that was very eye-opening to me as well and caused me to specialize as well in this area, not in sex, Therapist, but um, EMDR is what I did specialize in because there's just so much there. And so I really love, though, how you mentioned when you first went to counseling that actually you didn't see it as trauma for you. You were like, oh, no, I was fine. Like, the, I totally, because I've also experienced that in counseling people yeah. that they're like, no, yeah. I don't have any trauma in my life. And you start unpacking it and like, oh, maybe we should look at this. So, if you don't yeah. mind, um, just for the listener who they don't know you, they don't know your story, if you could just give like a yeah. little highlight of a little bit of what you did go through uh, at growing up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'd be happy to. My dad was a World War II vet, he was on three ships that sank. He came from a family where there was plenty of uh, violence and trauma. And, you know, I'm not into parent blaming. I think that our parents have their own trauma and then they pass it on to us, not because they want to, yeah, but just because that's the way it works. And so my dad had all this trauma, PTSD from war. And then from his own childhood. And then when he got out of the military, he went back to riding in the rodeo and riding bulls. He got bucked off a bull and spent four months in the hospital with a traumatic head injury. So you can see this is kind of like a cocktail to create a very volatile human being. And so later in life, my dad became an attorney and a city judge. And he's very successful and he was a brilliant man. And he could be fun and delightful and witty. And I'm so thankful for him. He uh, gave me a good work ethic. He taught me so much about even about having fun. Like he loved to have fun. The hard thing was we never knew when he was going to shift and become volatile and be violent. And so I experienced a lot of domestic abuse Um, It took me a while to realize that. I always thought of domestic abuse as husband to wife or wife to husband, but it was father to his children. And so I witnessed a lot of domestic violence, including my own personal beatings, you know, being whipped, hit, punched, kicked. And then I also witnessed my siblings experiencing the very same thing. And my mom would just freeze, which now I know means that she had her own trauma, but, you know, I would think she never protected us. She never said anything. She never stopped it. So I would think in some ways that she was pretty a pretty useless mother. Now I understand that she she probably had her own trauma because freeze is definitely a trauma response. And so, yeah, that's part of my story. And then um wasn't raised in a Christian home. We were good people. <laughs> I remember saying to my mom, I don't think we're that good, you know. And then at 14, I became a Christian, and then eventually my parents became a Christian. We started going to a church, which was a wonderful church, and like everything else, churches are filled with humans. And so the youth pastor on a youth retreat sexually assaulted me. And so those were kind of my main traumas with with my dad, kind of a, a childhood of trauma, not just, you know not just once or twice, but a childhood of domestic violence and trauma. And then he could be sexually abusive and neglect from my mother, no protection, and then being sexually assaulted by a youth pastor.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank thank you for sharing. Yeah. I just, I wanted the listeners just to hear a little bit of your story. And I know in, in different areas in your book and other places you've spoken, you do share that story um, publicly, yeah. but I just like people to know, just like you had mentioned in the beginning, that how the Lord will take something that in our lives, and then now you, you're you getting to turn around and speak into it. And yeah. obviously you've helped people on an individual level with counseling, but then now you're also getting to do it more globally, which is really neat. Yeah,
1: yeah. You made a good point. I just want to make sure I go back to because I'm like, oh, I really didn't answer that whatever we grow up with, we think is our normal. Yes. For all of us. That's why the first day I went to counseling and he's like crying. And I'm looking, at I'm like, why are you crying? Yeah. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. I survived it. And so it took him reflecting back to me, like, no, actually I think you have PTSD. And I'm like, oh, I do. Well, it made sense. I had nightmares all the time. I You know, yes, my body was telling me I had lots of trauma, but I just didn't even know how to tune into it, Rachel. Yeah. I was so used to just, no, this is all normal. Yeah. Well it was it was my normal, but I I love the new book called The Myth of Normal.
0: Mm.
1: Like what we can think is so normal is not normal. And then children are taught to protect the image of their family and the image of their parents. And we just need to say to adult children now, hey, It's not your job. It's okay. Really, your job is now to heal yourself and to get the healing you need, get the help you need, and to talk about your story. And it doesn't mean you're throwing your parents under the bus. I think the way we honor our parents is to become the very best adult I can become.
0: Yeah. I also love how you mentioned earlier, you're not a fan of parent blaming because I feel the same way. It's, you know, not to cast blame or shame on them, but just to look back and go, oh, okay, actually, that isn't normal. That isn't right. And we're going to do things differently for me, myself and the next generation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I really
1: wanted to give my four boys something so much better than what I had been given. And I realized that like, Oh my goodness, if I don't work through my own story, then I can want better. But if I don't know how to really do that, then I'm, I may just repeat some things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. they say the best mommies are those who've worked through their own stories and can tell their story in a cohesive way. Yeah. And so that means we've kind of picked
0: up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the Lord's timing, and I'm always amazed at just how He wired us and how, like you mentioned, that to you, growing up and going through some of those things you went through, you did survive it. And in many ways, I like to look back and kind of applaud um, our body and our brain for doing what it needed to in the time to protect us and to get us through what Mm -hmm. it was going through. Like, it did its job, and I love to do that. Be like, thank you so much. You, You protected me. Now it's yes. time to maybe let, we need to go sort through and, and process through yes. some of those things and just how the timing and so there was just something I feel like the Lord just in my spirit is given a word to the listeners of maybe that's your time like this is the Lord just saying yes. hey you yeah you 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 have you have survived you've done a great job yes. you are here you're still alive you're still breathing but now it's time to maybe do a little little work, a little heart work, and that's a good yeah. thing. That's a beautiful thing. It's it's his timing. So, I love that. And in fact, I know for me, it wasn't actually until I was in graduate school myself to become a counselor that I I went to a counselor for the first time, which like you said, I'm like I'm I'm glad that I did that work before I went out and actually started counseling people, you know, it was just in the beginning stages of grad school. And I had, I received probably one of the best compliments ever from one of my daughters we have three kids and two my, our oldest two are girls this is recently within the last few months we were talking about when i was in graduate school because i had three kids you know it was just one of those things i was a stay at home mom went back to school to, to get my degree and she said mom i noticed a huge difference in you when you went back to school to become a counselor because for the first time in my life i started processing my own stuff i started learning how to handle, you know, and process my emotions so I wasn't having these explosions on the kids anymore. Like that kind of stuff went away. And that was one of the greatest compliments I received. And I say that to say you don't necessarily have to go to grad school (laughs) to start going through your stuff. Like that's what the Lord did with me and that was my unique story. But um there's hope that yeah, like if the Lord's asking you to press in, do it. So let's jump into though the thing that I really want to talk to you about because you are so anointed to speak into this. I remember the first time I heard you Speak was at church, and you were the very first person, maybe even still to this day the only person, Now, nah, maybe some marriage conferences I've heard, speak about sexuality in church. That was one of the most freeing things for me as I'm sitting there. I was a young mom. I think I only had our first two kids at the time, and you were speaking on sexuality and you know, talking, you were saying the words penis and vagina and clitoris in church and i'm like oh, what's this you know like but it was so freeing just to hear you yeah. go there like i needed that so desperately and so i want to speak into that or i guess really let you speak into this topic of i feel like it's almost like just restoring in sexuality you know and just saying hey yeah. let's speak into this as believers so where would you like to start with that? I didn't even really ask you a question in that other than to tell you how you you influenced me and I want you to do the same for the listeners right now.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I love that it was sort of a liberating experience for you. That's my goal. My goal really is to like, let's de-shame human sexuality. We are all sexual creatures by God's beautiful design. Last night, my um, sons and daughter-in-laws were here Now I have granddaughters that are, you know, they're really close to like the girls are getting close to the teen years. And I love how their mommies are talking to them about their bodies, about all the changes happening in their bodies. And the girls can like, oh, look, mommy, I'm getting nubs. And look, mommy, I'm, you know, my body's changing and my granddaughters can talk about it so freely. And my daughter-in-laws were saying, my mother never talked to me about this. And so like my mother had asked me, did she, did you start your period? And it's like, no, you didn't talk to me about it. I'm not talking to you about it. Yeah. And so I think we can bring so much freedom to our children and to ourselves. If we'll have the courage to have really great conversations around this topic even though it's hard and awkward so part of my mission has been like okay I'll be the one <laughs> not that I really want to be but I'll be the one to stand up at in a public way and say we are sexual creatures by God's design and it is good and beautiful and let's call our body parts by the medical terms because if we use you know willy really wacky names For, you know, things like vaginas and vulvas and clitoris and penises, then we, our kids don't take us seriously. And they're like, man, mom talks about those things in like, kind of like a very junior high way. So I don't think I could talk to her about anything else real. And honestly, I think some of the best preventative medicine for protecting our children sexually is just to be able to have open, honest conversations with them and use the proper medical terms and do it without shame. I mean, think about just our design. Like, God gave females breasts and hips and made them, like, actually, God made females a little more sexual than males, believe it or not. Now, we're different. So males' brains are probably, they automatically have light-up centers that cause them to think about sex frequently and desire sex frequently? Not all men. All men are different, right? But um, like the female clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings. The male penis has 4,000 nerve endings. And the clitoris and the penis are basically mirror images of one another. Females have as much erectile tissue as males do. You just can't see it. You know, like Mr. Rogers said, Males are fancy on the outside, women are fancy on the inside, right? Yeah. And so you just can't see all of our specialness. We have 18 parts to the vulva area. It's amazing. Very intricate. And if we think about, God, you were saying something to us females that sex isn't for a, a male's pleasure and a female's duty, that God made females actually in some ways even more sexual. We just have a different route to get there. That's why I, I love to tell females like or in males like mixed audiences, like females need 21 minutes of foreplay. I like to call it core play. um to become fully aroused. I think that's why in the Song of Solomon, actually, I think this is what it means. Like a scripture that says, don't awaken love until it's ready. You know, a lot of times we as the church are like, oh, don't awaken love. Like don't awaken any sexual feelings. And I think that's been part of why we haven't talked to our kids because we think, oh, if I talk to my kids, then they're going to be more sexual. We don't want to awaken anything. I don't think that's what it means. Now, I'm no theologian, so, you know, take it or leave it. (laughs) I'm, I'm not offended by that. But I think it means, like, don't have intercourse until you are fully aroused because then it can be a miserable experience for a female. And how many females are having miserable experiences Because they are not fully aroused, right? They haven't had time for the brain to go from red, 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 overthinking. Females have pretty busy brains in general. And so we need the foreplay to slow our brains down and just enjoy kissing for a little bit. And then that part of our brain will start turning blue. And then as that turns blue, then we, then we can enjoy like breast stimulation. And then as that brain ter- turns more blue, then we can enjoy like clitoral stimulation. And we have to realize that only 30% of females orgasm through intercourse. So females need a lot more of clitoral stimulation than they think they do, that they know they do. So for more, most females, we need to slow the process down. So a female can really enjoy the process. I've had so many women come into my office and say, oh, I'm just not orgasmic. And um, I saw ask, well, like, did you used to be? Yeah, I used to be. It used to be pretty easy. I'm like, well, what's happening in sex now? And they're like, oh, you know, we've got a bunch of kids. So it's got pretty fast. And so I just don't have time. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Your body is talking to you if we will learn to listen to it.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Here's the other reason I love that you're speaking into this is because I actually want to take the phrase that came to mind as you were talking was shame off and fun up. Because yeah. I know, <laughs> I know for me, and then I think, uh, and I know you talk about this in your book, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, there's undoing some of the shame around our bodies the from all kinds of things over the years. And in fact, I know one thing that you address is that even as little girls, we get some messages about shame around our body, even without sexual trauma. And then, you, and then if you put sexual trauma on top of that, I mean, it's just like so much shame and heaviness and confusion around our bodies. And so I do wanna deal with the shame, but I also just wanted to say that why I love that you're speaking into this is because I know for me, once I did get married and I'm like, okay, I would love to learn my body but where do you go? Like, if you go Google this, I'm going to get drawn, to, sucked into porn or something, you know? And so I'm like, we need to have these healthy conversations and learn from, in healthy ways, how we're wired. Yeah. Um, because I know my husband and I have benefited from sitting under your teachings of just even the things like, first of all, how we're wired differently. But then also just yeah. how the woman... Because for the longest time, you know, this is real talk with Rachel. So, you know, yeah. sh- shield your ears if you don't want to hear the rest of my, you know, personal. But I thought, well, like you said, I was in the same boat with some of your, you know, your clients of, well, I guess I just don't really orgasm. I don't, I guess that's something yeah. I can't really do. But then when you started to teach, oh no, you're just wired differently. Like it's going to yeah. come differently for you. And I remember there yeah. was even some point I heard you say something to the effect of for women, it's more of a journey and it's an exploration. And even my husband hearing that that, it helped both of us to start to understand, okay, it's not going to look like it does for him, but let's explore. Let's, like I said, the shame off and the fun up. And that's been, been very life-giving for us. Oh, I love that. You know, when
1: men are young, they have like a sexual super highway, you know, and sex for them is pretty straightforward. So is orgasm. It's all pretty straightforward. For females, we're more like a two lane highway and You know, we just got to enjoy a more leisurely trip to where we're getting to. So if we compare ourselves to male sexuality, which is all we used to have, Mm -hmm. then we'll always feel like, oh my gosh, am am I like slow? Am I sexually slow? Is there something wrong with me? Why does it seem so easy for him and so hard for me? And so we just can't do any comparisons. And I would encourage all couples like, You know what? Throw judgments out your bedroom window. Like when couples come in and say, well, I'm the less sexual. I'm the more sexual. I'm like, hold on. Nobody wants to be called the least sexual of the two of you. So let's stop judging and let's figure out what works. Like, let's get curious. Let's get playful. Let's, I love it. One of my friends said, I was on a podcast with her and she calls it, her husband and say, time to give you the queen's treatment. You know, in other words, he's willing to like, how much foreplay do you need? And, you know, women can feel guilty when we're receiving, we, we aren't very good receivers. And so to allow ourselves to receive sexual pleasure, guilt-free, like it's good for you. It's so good for you. And then, you know, I think another thing, I mean, let's just talk anatomy right here, right? Like, From the time a little boy is born, I have four of these little boys, and they touch themselves all the time, all the time, and good luck trying to, like, stop them. Yeah. And then, you know, every time they go to the bathroom, they are touching their penis. So they are extremely familiar with their most intimate part, their penis. Females aren't. Research shows that when a little girl's having her diaper changed and she reaches for her genitalia that she will have her hand slapped most likely and told no no by her mama. Hmm. And that's because that mama was told slapped and told no no by her mama. And you know it's just this generational thing that we do with our daughters and moms are terrified of their daughters maybe making some of their sexual mistakes. And so they start telling their little girls, oh, that's bad. Oh, don't do that, honey. No, no. You know, they don't want their daughters coming home pregnant when they're 15 years old. I mean, all these messages that females receive. And so, honestly, most females don't know what feels good. And I love what my, I've had to go to hand therapy a lot for my hand. And my occupational therapist will say to me, Nancy, you have to tell me what hurts. I'm not inside of your body. And it's true. Your husband is not inside of your body. He does not know what is feeling fabulous and what is feeling awful. He does not know what's good and what's not so good. We have to own our own bodies as women. And therefore, we have to know our own bodies. So honestly, I mean, I agree with you, like Googling things and then porn pops up. Porn is a, is a horrible teacher. It's demeaning, it's violent, there are no healthy boundaries around it. It's like anything and everything is permissible and goes. And I don't know. I I believe that that's a really dark road to travel down. And it, like research shows that, you know, when we introduce porn and even into our marriages, that it ends up being demeaning. And then we attach to images instead of each other. I believe that God gave us sex. To be enjoyed in marriage because it's meant to be incredibly pleasurable and bonding. And God knew that marriage could be annoying. (laughs) Right? I mean, if we're just going to be real, like being married to a man and married married to a woman can have its annoyances. But sex is meant to be this beautiful gift that is meant to soothe over. And so I'm always sad when couples tell me, oh, sex is awful for us. Um, or painful or difficult, or we can't get on the same page. And I'm like, well, then let's call a timeout and let's figure out how to make it sweet and good and pleasurable and bonding and meaningful. Because I believe with all my heart, that's what God meant it to be.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, this is so good. Okay. So here's what I want to do I want to move into at the end of my show. Usually I record this segment on my own, but because one, our conversation is so good, and two, you, you are a, a licensed counselor, I want to invite you in to do it with me. So I call this segment, Let's Get Real Practical. So we take the topic that we discussed today, and we give the listeners some practical ways to implement what we just talked about. So I just feel like, first of all, I'd love for you to get real practical about the shame piece around sexuality of the person who's listening and they're going, yeah, I definitely have some, whether it's sexual trauma or even just shame around their body, body image struggles, all the things that makes them go, I don't even want to explore. Like that feels, that doesn't even feel safe to me. What are some practical steps you could give them right now?
1: Yeah. Well, I think number one, stop hating yourself. You are so worth loving. You know, you're just so worth loving. And females can have so much self-hatred. It breaks my heart. I get teared up thinking about it, you know. And your beauty. And then we have all these fake images of these perfect bodies of females. And I'm like, (laughs) most of you know what? What I see in a magazine or a movie isn't what I see when I go to the beach. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, there's normal bodies, but we are so inundated by what the media puts forth that we women can go, well, my body doesn't look like that. And my body doesn't look like that. And my body, you know, I heard a comedian last night. She was saying, well, my friend is single and she's trying to start dating again. And she told me, well, I guess. I might be able to let somebody see my left breast. I think it still looks okay. (laughs) And I just thought, isn't that so funny and so true, right? We've got all these ideals of this is what the perfect woman is to look like. And here am I way down here. And I'm like, you know what? We need to throw out the perfect woman. Like she can be right back here reminding us all day long of how imperfect we are. And honestly, we just need to say, hey, thank you, but no thanks. There's no such thing as an ideal woman. And what I have is good enough and beautiful enough. And, you know, my husband is so sweet. Like, there used to be parts of my body I'd be critical of. And he'd like, what? I don't even see that. What are you talking about? And he helped me, like, be more accepting of my body. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, so I hope, number one, that. All you women are with good men who can say, "Honey, your body's beautiful. Like, relax, enjoy. I want to be with you. I don't want to be with some false image because that fake image doesn't have anything to offer. You, as a as a woman, has so much to offer."
0: Yeah, yeah. What about um, the person listening with any sexual trauma? That where do they start with that?
1: Yeah, I think you start with you know. Most trauma isn't your fault, honestly. Like we may have participated, but we're we're wired sexually to respond to sexual stimuli. So if your body responded, let's say something ha- is happening, you're you're making out with a boyfriend, then suddenly it moves into a date rape, and your body responded, and so you've been hating your body. It's like no, we're sexually wired to respond to sexual stimuli. So even if your body responded to unwelcome, unwanted, forceful touch, touch from somebody that was traumatizing your body. It doesn't make your body bad. Your body's just doing what was wired to do. So I think to start being kind towards ourselves and compassionate, like I am all about like, hey, can we just try a little softer and be compassionate towards ourselves? Can we have some empathy Maybe you acted out sexually as a teenager, as a young woman, or even as an older woman. Can we have some empathy for that? Right? Like something happened to bring you to the place where you're sexually acting out. I'm like, let's just have empathy. And let's be kind and curious. Right? Instead of like so judgmental, so cruel. That All that cruelty is not helpful. You know, so many times if we have any abuse in our history, then we just pick up where that abuser left off and abuse ourselves. And it's so cruel. And God is saying, wait a minute, I, I've invited you to love yourself. And then I think from there, we we start this process of being compassionate. And then I honestly think women have to get to know their own bodies so they can start communicating. And I know we've made a ton of fun of like, mirror exercises where you look at your genitalia in a mirror and you figure out what's where and what's what what's pleasant touch where your clitoris is what feels good with your clitoris because it's going to be really hard to ever have an orgasm unless you figure out what isn't is pleasant enjoyable touch with your clitoris if it's too scary to do it with yourself invite your husband into it if he's a good safe person And and take his hand and guide him and communicate, oh that feels good. Let's discover my body together. Oh, this feels good. Oh, that feels nice. Oh, oh, that's not my fave. You know, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. You don't want to be demeaning towards yourself or him, right? And just go on an exploration, like be an explorer of your own body and figure out what what is lovely and what is beautiful and what is pleasant, arousing erotic touch for you because nobody can define that for you. Every woman's body is different, unique, and that's good. You know, we're not machines. And I think we need to get over the idea that men are sexual machines. They're not machines either.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I like that last tip too, because I feel like it led us into the fun part. Because that was the other thing I just felt like on my heart of yes, addressing that shame. And um, you gave some great practical tools there. But then really just also embracing the fun of that our body was God's idea and all the ways he wired us and that he wants us to enjoy it and whatever that looks like for each, you know, woman, just learning, learning your own body and they're the expert on their own body and just how fun that that can be. And I feel like even just putting that word fun with it, just lets some people off the hook to go, okay, pressure's off, fun up. Yeah. Like, yes yeah, Mm -hmm. yes. Like,
1: this isn't about pressure or performance. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the quickest way to kill sex life yeah, is for there to be a bunch of pressure or to think it's a performance. And that's another problem with porn. It's all about pressure and performance. Yeah. And so if that's our sole educator, we're not being educated in a way that is helpful, that is kind, that is compassionate, that is loving. And it, it doesn't teach us that, yes, God is the creator of attraction, And then what he's hoping for with this married couples is that we'll go from attraction to attachment and that this married life will become about a deep, deeply secure attachment. Yeah. Which is what, you know, I love to think about how adults need attachment as desperately as infants do. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main purposes of marriage and family is creating secure attachments. And honestly, Sex is part of that. Yeah. When you have, you know, when your man starts kissing you, his body carries more dopamine, which then gets into your system and you start calming, relaxing. Really a better model for female sexuality than the old one we used to follow is, is that females oftentimes, once you've been married for a while or had a couple kids, most of the time females start in sexual neutrality. They're not like looking at their husband's naked body and going, ooh, let's get it on. I mean, that's more how a man's brain works. Female's brain is very different. So we start in sexual neutrality, which like, oh, maybe. Oh, gosh, are the kids really bad? Are they going to stand bad? You know, who's knocking at my door now? Um, Do I put the towels in the dryer? Because I personally hate when I leave the towels in the washing machine. They get all yucky. Have to rewash them five times. You know what I mean? Our brains are just busy. And so we can start in sexual neutrality, but as we start kissing and making out and, and just being curious, then our bodies can start moving from neutrality. Like, Oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, and then our maybe becomes like, Oh, this could be fun. And then maybe we have an orgasm and then these deep bonding hormones are released and feel good hormones. And we can say to our husband, God, that was nice. Why don't we do that more often? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because we've got to give ourselves time to warm up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because it's rewiring our brain to look at sex. Like you said a little bit ago, that it's not just that, oh, men are machine. They need this. I don't need it, but they do. Like, no, it's for both of us. This is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think females, I mean, really, like sex does so many wonderful things. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm just cranky, I'm like, I probably need an orgasm. Mm hmm. I I mean, really, yeah, right. Because we are physical creatures, yeah, yeah, and we are sexual creatures,
0: and we we don't have a body; we are a body. Mm, That's good. That's really good. Okay, so Nancy, you're so passionate about this topic that you wrote a book called "Then God Made a Woman: Unwrapping Female Sexuality." Tell the listeners just a little about that.
1: Oh my goodness! I was speaking at a women's conference, and I just had this idea that I want the women to have a little book to take away. And so they can read about how gloriously divine they were made and how really we're God's 2.0 and he made us sexual creatures on purpose. It is not a mistake. It is not shameful. It is not bad. It is God's beautiful design. And that God through his creation is saying, females, I actually made you with an extra capacity for sexuality you're not less than sexually you're actually more than no not to put down men at all but i think we women needed that we needed god to say no here's my extra love for you and so i've given you these beautiful sexual parts that have more potential than male sexuality females again eight thousand nerve endings in their clitoris that's double Double the pleasure, double the fun. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And and we can be multi orgasmic. Yeah. And it's kind of some learned skills. I think females can think, oh, I should just know how to have an orgasm. Like I can sneeze. And I'm like, no, it's more like learned skills.
0: Mm.
1: It's a learning, it's kind of like learning another language. Yeah. And you don't just expect yourself to wake up and speak Spanish someday. I wish that would be delightful. But instead you realize if I'm going to learn Spanish, I'm going to have to like actually educate myself. I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to communicate. I'm going
0: to have to work at it. Yeah.
1: And what if we looked at female sexuality the same way? Like, oh, I'm going to have to have a good education. I'm going to have to learn how to talk about this. I'm going to have to learn how to communicate. About it. I'm going to have to learn how to say, Oh, I love that. Oh, not, not as much. Oh, this is pleasurable. Oh, would you do more of that? You know, right. And then we'll become more adept at it. We'll become better at it. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay, well, as you can tell, Nancy and I could talk for three more hours on this topic. So I want to encourage all of you get a copy of her book, uh, Then God Made a Woman, because it is, it's just going to go even more in depth to the topics that we did discuss today. And it's going to, yeah, I just, I appreciate the resource and they can get it Amazon, any other places. Yes, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, all the places. Okay. And then do you have a website or anything that they can follow along with you online? Yes. I'm not super active on social media. I hope
1: to get better at that. I'm working on that. Um, ask Nancy Houston's Instagram. Um, Nancy is my website. Um, I'm kind of in the process of revamping some things. So stay tuned. Stay with me. Would love to be friends with your audience, Rachel.
0: Yeah. All right. So y'all heard it here. And then of course, all those links are in today's show notes as well. If you want to go follow along with Nancy, get her resources. Uh, Nancy, thank you again for taking time to come on. I know the listeners have been blessed. I've been blessed by you and just grateful to have you to speak into this topic and so many others. Uh, I'm so
1: glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I wrote a previous book about love and sex. And really that book is much more deals with healing from sexual trauma. Mm. So if any of your listeners do have trauma, that could be one resource for them. So
0: thank you for inviting me. Love visiting with you. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I love interviewing other therapists. In fact, if you haven't noticed this month, I've had two licensed therapists here on the show because they basically cover this segment for me. I almost am like, what else am I gonna say? Because they've already been giving you so much practical advice already. But here's the final thing I did feel like I just wanted to bring up to you again before we sign off on this episode. And it's this, ask God if there is any area Of your sexuality that needs to be restored. You know, part of why I included a trauma timeline in Image Restored, if you have that book, you've seen it, and I did a video teaching on it as well that you got access to with the book, is because I've counseled many women who are unaware of the trauma that they've experienced in and around their body. And there's lots of reasons why this is. I don't really have time to go into that right now, but. I see it enough that it is an area that keeps many, not just women, but right now I am talking, you know, i talking about women right now, stuck with body image, but also shame, insecurity, self-confidence, and even a healthy married sex life. So if you've never explored this area, maybe there's nothing for you there and that's great. Like, if you explore it and you're like, actually, I'm, I'm really great in this area, then that's amazing. And you're probably one of the people that's going to go help others in this area as well. But I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the time to just take a little bit of a peek in your past. I don't like to go back and live in the past, and I never recommend that anybody else does. But there are some points where we need to pause, we need to pivot backwards and go did some of those life events affect me still today? And if they did, if they're still showing up today, that's when we know we need to go back, we need to take a look, we need to do some work and some restoration. So, honestly, for work like this, I, you know, and I recommend this multiple times in my book, and I'm gonna say it to you again here. I highly recommend seeking professional help when it comes to this type of trauma. Uh, If you live in Texas, our clinic has a few openings with our highly vetted counselors. I'm one of them, but we also have others. You can go to bbchealth.com to learn more. You do need to be a Texas resident. If you aren't a Texas resident, my recommendation for you would be to check out AACC.net. That is the American Association of Christian Counselors. You can punch in your state and find someone near you. Well, let me pray. Father, I thank you for every single person who's sitting under the sound of my voice. Thank you for this space that we get to join here today. I pray for restoration, reconciliation, redemption, renewal, all the things. Jesus, draw near to the brokenhearted in ways only you can. Restore tenfold all the enemy has stolen. It is in your name we pray, Jesus, amen. Well, my friends, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.